0: down 30, going deep, and he's got his receiver, ends slicing in for the touchdown. Pulse of the Pack
1: Podcast. big And headed to the end zone is Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones. Give that man the ball. Pulse of the Pack Podcast. Do you want to experience the thrill of a Packers game at Lambeau Field? If so, be sure to get your game tickets from the longtime trusted source in Wisconsin, Ticket King. Visit their locations in Milwaukee and Green Bay. Or just go to their website, theticketking.com. Again, that's
0: theticketking.com. Quarantine. That ain't stopping us from doing content, though. Jason, Tyler, and I are practicing perfect. Social distancing. We are more than six feet apart, and I hope that you are all doing the same washing your hands, washing your butt, and doing what you can to flatten the curve. Devontae Adams has talked about it. David Bakhtiari has talked about it. There is a lot of different people telling you to stay inside. So I hope that is what you are doing, but that's not what we're here to talk about. I'm your host for this show, Pulse of the Pack. We are back and better than ever. I am with Jason Perone, who reminded me that I need to let him know if he looks, quote, worse than usual. Um, I feel like that's a trap. So, but at any rate, at any rate, (laughs) Jason, how are we doing?
1: Doing good. Doing good. It's at least warm here in the Phoenix locale and our guest today, Tyler Grezegorik. I always do this Tyler. So I'm probably, I'm just going to, I'm just going to pronounce your name different ways and we'll see which one sticks. I've Both done my whole life, so it's fine. <laughs> Both in the Phoenix locale, and it is is a uh, it's a nice day, and apparently the warmer weather is supposed to get us out of this mess. So it is all good, and I am um, I am modeling our new Pulse of the Pack fleece pullovers, which probably won't need in another week or two's time. But Jake, very well done. Thanks for this; it's a great look.
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, I bought that in November, and my hope was that it was going to be done. <laughs> When we met up for the Panthers game and then when it wasn't, I was like, oh, well, then we had talked about getting together if the Packers had won the Super Bowl. So I was like, oh, I'll give it to them if they do that. And then, well, (laughs) that didn't happen either. So uh, I finally got there. And yeah, Jason lives in Arizona and I got him a long sleeve shirt. So that was smart by me. Uh, But here we are. And Jason mentioned our guest. I have Tyler Grezegorek. He of Pack-A-Day Podcasts. Pack to the Future Madden streams, which I was fortunate enough to play on. Tyler, I think you beat me, so I owe you on that one. Uh, and help me out. Am I missing something? I feel like you're involved with something else, too.
2: Yeah, I mean, I do some non packer specific work for the Dynasty Nerds uh, website, um, focusing on fancy football over there. So that's pretty much that pretty much sums it up, though, outside of the Chiefs uh, Head TV drop guide
0: which is why you are here. We are here to talk interior defensive linemen, defensive tackles, a position that I have said I had it listed as one of our, one of green Bay's biggest needs going into this draft. As soon as the off season started and nothing has happened to change my opinion on that. The Packers haven't added anybody as of yet. They have added, you guys have already heard by now, Christian Kirksey will play middle linebacker for the Packers next season. And Rick Wagner is going to play right tackle for green Bay next year. But the interesting story is it's kind of been quiet on those fronts since then. Uh, The Packers were in on Corey Littleton, but Brian Gutekunst, according to Bill Huber, did not want to add another massive contract to the defensive side of the ball. So that's something they ultimately passed on. And now they're looking for kind of the quote-unquote bargain bin, if you will, for the rest of Packers free agency here. And one name they were in on, and Bill Huber again, describe this interest as legitimate it wasn't something that they just said hey emmanuel do you want to play for two million dollars a year no okay hang up the phone apparently the interest was legitimate but emmanuel sanders decided to sign in new orleans and play for the saints uh, which you know that's kind of the reminder i suppose that these players they have their own choices in this matter too and that's something where i think we kind of lose it where it's like oh why didn't the packers get anybody well you know we don't know everything and I strongly doubt that Brian Gutekunst who said receiver was a position they would look to add to this off season is sitting on his hands and content with the group that he has in his room right now and adding a rookie and calling it good. So with that in mind, Tyler, first of all, what does this pursuit of Emmanuel Sanders tell you in regards to Brian Gutekunst's plans for his offense?
2: Well, and it's not just Emmanuel Sanders it's Austin Hooper as well. It's, incredibly clear that Gutekunst wants to add some fire, some pop to this offense. He, you know, he's done it in the the past couple off seasons with with different positions. He goes into the off season with a a noted deficiency and he does everything he can to, to fix that deficiency and make it a strength. And so with each passing day that the Packers are unable to add one of these free agent wide receivers or high end tight ends, You know, the the price goes down on the remaining guys like a Robbie Anderson or a Rashad Perryman. Um, And then you go into the draft. And I think if they're not able to land uh, at least one veteran pass catcher in free agency, I think you're looking at Gutekunst taking it to the draft and really kind of throwing the full force of draft picks at the position. So it's going to be something to monitor for sure, because I think that he is dedicated to really addressing the position this offseason. I just don't think that the financials have worked out in his favor yet.
0: Jason, are you surprised at all to this point that the Packers haven't added a veteran? I know they were reportedly hot and heavy on Austin Hooper. That probably has turned out to be a blessing in disguise. Austin Hooper's a nice player, but giving him the highest paid contract in the history of the tight end market, probably not that wise when his name's not George Kittle or Travis Kelsey. But are you surprised at all that Green Bay hasn't added or – Really, what do you make of, honestly, because Tyler mentioned those two guys, the only other pass catcher who signed a contract in free agency is Amari Cooper. So Amari Cooper, um, Emmanuel Sanders, and Austin Hooper. That's it, as far as guys that have signed. So what do you make of this slow market, and does it surprise you, or does it entice you more if you're Brian Gudekunst the longer this drags on?
1: Well, it's going to be enticing, because the value will increase naturally as time moves along, but... We're still in a period of time before the draft where all of a sudden there could be a run on a couple of these pass catchers and then the money doesn't make sense anymore. But yeah, I'm surprised by the the lack of movement. You thought that Robbie Anderson was going to go quick and this happens every year. There's a couple guys whose names get thrown around very heavily before free agency starts and then nothing goes down with them for whatever reason. And some of them are waiting and don't sign until June. Some of them, You know, end up getting signed um, in the third or fourth wave of free agency for whatever reason it be. So um, I'm not sure. I'm not exactly sure. I know I trust Gutekunst to do the value thing and, and be smart about the money that he's handing out. The Austin Hooper contract would not have made sense for Green Bay, given what they're trying to do and that. You know, they've got a tight end at Jay Sternberger, who's a rookie, and he's very unproven, and it's not you're not a guarantee what he's going to be able to do in year two, but I did like what I saw from him in the playoffs, finally when he was getting involved in the passing game a little bit. So if you're adding another guy there where you – know, I, I think it's like I've said in the past. I think the cupboard is more bare at wide receiver. So if you're going to spend money, sure, spend it there. And I think they were trying to sign Emmanuel Sanders for a fair dollar amount. Didn't work out. He ended up in New Orleans, so now you move on and – you figure out what you're going to do. I also have to wonder, too, if based on who he's going to get, so if he gets Emmanuel Sanders or if Robbie Anderson signs or if they end up bringing somebody else in, is that going to alter who they might target in the draft? Because, again, it's a strong draft for wide receivers. They've got a lot of options. So not that you want to count on a rookie, but the money situation, as we've seen, that you know they don't have a ton of cap space either. So I would rather make sure that they're viable there because it's not just wide receiver that they still have yet to address.
0: No, there are other spots and we're going to talk about one as we as we get going through here. Tyler Jason brought up a couple names, you brought up another in there and that was Brashad Perryman, Robbie Anderson. Is there a guy out there that you think makes a lot of sense for Green Bay if the dollar amount is correct? Obviously, Robbie Anderson is somebody that I don't even know if a lot of us really considered as a possibility just because I think a lot of us thought he was going to get 12, 14, 16 million, but now reportedly that market has gone quote radio silent which is interesting because the longer he's out there, obviously, the further his price theoretically drops. But based on meeting need and value, is there a guy out there, or would you rather just kind of go to the draft and see what happens after that?
2: I think there's only a couple of guys. Um, one of them I didn't mention before, and that would be Delaney Walker. I think that if you bring him in to, to really solidify the tight end position, you can kind of sweep that position under the rug. You go into the offseason or the remainder of the offseason with Jay Sternberg or Delaney Walker, Mercedes Lewis, and Robert Tanyan. Um, I think that that adds another dimension to the offense. But if we're talking about wide receiver, I think Rashad Perryman is probably the best bet for uh, low-risk, high-reward. Um uh, you know, he had a strong finish to the 2019 season. Um, not a lot to base uh, a contract off of. Other than that, uh, he's moved around quite a bit early on in his career. Uh, last two teams were the Buccaneers and Baltimore. Uh, you know, he's moved around quite a bit for a reason. He, he's been rather inconsistent, but he has all the tools. He has all the talent. He has the athletic profile that Gudikunst has shown to really just, I don't even know what the word is for it, but he just loves, he loves athletic players and, uh, I don't know if it's to a fault sometimes. I don't think we've seen it hit that point yet. However, he really fits that profile of what Green Bay is, Green Bay is looking for, and I think that he'd be a good veteran guy to bring in to compete for, for snaps at the wide receiver position. I don't think if he comes in, he's the de facto number two over uh, Marquez Valdez-Scantling or even Alan Lazard. I think I think those three guys are still competing for the number two spot, even if Perryman does land in, in, in uh, Green Bay. But, you know – regardless of what they do in free agency now, I still believe they're going to address it in the draft. I think it's just a matter of what degree. And so uh, if they bring in a guy like Perriman, maybe they only spend a high pick on one receiver. If they don't bring in a guy like Perriman, uh, maybe they spend uh, two of their top three picks on receivers. I don't I don't know what Gutekunst's plan is, but I do believe um, with 100% confidence that he does have a plan. And so uh, we'll see what they do moving forward, but they, they've shown strong interest in improving that group. So
0: that they have and i'm interested you know Rashad perryman somebody i talked about the other day there's a lot of people um that and i'm basing this on twitter mentions and stuff like that but a lot of people seem to think that that's a surefire fix to that position and saying quote the packers need speed well Marcos Valdez scantling runs fast too and realistically tyler you mentioned it he played six games really uh in tampa bay well six games where he really played well i should say He'll be on his fourth team in three years. He was at Baltimore, then Cleveland, then Tampa, and then this will be his next team will be his fourth team in three years. That's, that's not nothing. And I think that the biggest difference between Rashad Perryman and Marcos Valdez-Scantling in the minds of a lot of fans is that he played for a different team last year, and that's about it. Otherwise, I think if I told you – that he had the MVS had 38 catches for X amount of yards and a couple touchdowns. You'd be like, Oh, he had a good year or a decent year for what we came to expect. Uh, just didn't work out that way to me. I really do think that the way to go is Robbie Anderson. And that's because he's actually proven to have some consistency. He's played in some weird offenses and I don't think he would need to come in and be a star or anything like that, but he's a deep threat He's shown consistency to do that from a year to year basis, something Rashad Perryman hasn't had, which makes me wonder why his market is the way that it is. So that kind of gives me some pause at the same degree as well. But I agree with you, Tyler. I think that the Packers are going to address this position in the draft to what degree depends on how the rest of this off season plays out. Me personally, I would like to see two of their top four picks spent on an offensive weapon to some degree anyways, Um but we'll see if that's you know that's how the board falls obviously I don't want them to pick a receiver at 30 just to pick a receiver at 30 that doesn't make a whole lot of sense because if there's a better player at another position that makes a lot more sense than to pick you know your B wide receiver if you will instead of your A defensive tackle just to throw a position out there Jason Tyler mentioned Delaney Walker and he's somebody that I wasn't necessarily in on but now with Danny Vitale moving on I do wonder if the Packers are going to kind of attack that fullback role in a similar way that Mike McCarthy did in the end of his tenure and the way Lafleur did last year once Jay Sternberger came back, and that was using his tight ends in more of an H-back kind of role. And Delaney Walker has some experience in that regard. Jay Sternberger obviously does as well. But is this somebody – if he's going to play for two or three million bucks, I mean, is this somebody that brings value to the offense, or would you rather them just kind of roll – with what they have, which right now is Sternberger, Mercedes Lewis, and Robert Tanyan.
1: No, I like Walker at that price. I think that's fine. I think Sternberger would be your H-back. You need a little more dynamic athleticism at this point. I, I don't. I didn't watch a lot of Delaney Walker this past season. I just know that he's getting up there in football years. So it's a value thing, though, because if I, I look at a lot of mock drafts, which I know some people discount completely, but there's there's something to it tight end is is something that sometimes pops up on on Green Bay's draft board and when you get in the later rounds you want to take the best player and maybe it's a tight end anyway and you're not necessarily drafting a tight end to be in your dynamic and in your offense you're just trying to get an athlete or a body and maybe they're a special team or what have you but it removes any sort of temptation or need to do it early so then they can focus on more dynamic guys to fit what I think you're saying Jake which is you know, at least two of the first four. I'm hoping it's three personally that are offensive and that, that can include the offensive line too, but it just, it moves tight end, you know, out of the way there. Like Tyler said, it just kind of, you know, you sweep it under the rug and you look elsewhere and you figure out other things. Cause if you're just looking for bodies on special teams, honestly, you can find those guys on the undrafted pool as well. That's, you know, that's where they found Big Bob ultimately. So, yeah, I'm down. I'm down for Walker if, if they can do it. And um, I guess it all depends, too, on on if and how they decide to create some space for themselves.
0: Well, and I'm all for kicking the can down the road as far as the tight end class goes. Tyler, I don't know what your opinion is on this, but we did our show on tight ends a few weeks back, and I think this class stinks. Um, I, my yeah, it's not very good. My tight end one going into for the draft guide, which I want you guys all to purchase It's $6.99. There's links all over Twitter. We'll be sure to post them out again as well. It was Bryson Hopkins out of Purdue. A lot of people like Cole Clement. Pick either one. Doesn't really matter all that much to me which one you're picking. Last year, I would have had them behind uh, Bryson Hopkins, who is my one this year, would have ended up behind both kids from Iowa, Jay Sternberger, and Irv Smith. So that puts them at fifth, at the very highest This year, and I think you can make a good chance or a good argument that he's even further down the list than that. It's not a good class. There are some decent role players that they can get later in the draft, but again, that's a position where I would like the Packers if they're going to draft somebody to aim a little bit higher, and that's what they did with Jay Sternberger last year. Was they wanted somebody that could be a dynamic pass catcher? I don't think there is a guy like that in this year's class. Maybe. Maybe a couple you could make an argument for uh, with with some development, but I, I don't think it's very good. So Delaney Walker, someone like that, really does give them the option of saying, we got four guys, we can kick the can down the road and try and readdress this position next year when one of or both Walker and Mercedes Lewis walk away. So we'll see how that goes. Guys, I know this is a Packers show, but I'd be remiss if we didn't talk about it. Jason, I know we talked about the end being here in January, but... Uh, Tom Brady's playing for a different team. So just really quick, I wanted to get your guys' thoughts on that. Are you surprised? Are you happy? Are you sad? What's your, what's your thoughts? So Tyler, what's your thought on Tom Brady heading down to Tampa Bay?
2: It's weird. It's one of the weirdest um, player moves of of recent memory. Um, It's just not somewhere I would have ever envisioned Tom Brady playing It doesn't make a lot of sense to me on paper like it does to a lot of others. Uh, You know, I don't know what's in Tom Brady's mind in terms of what he's looking for or what he was looking for, I should say. But maybe he he saw that offense with uh, Mike Evans and Chris Godwin and O.J. Howard. And uh, he's, you know, he wants to go down there and uh, really kind of put together an offensive force. And I think that he can do that with the weapons that he's going to have. I think we're going to get a pre-2019 Tom Brady, as we can all admit last year was not his best year. Um, I just, I just don't understand the move from his perspective other than that. So it's going to be something interesting to watch for sure. Um, We'll see how Bruce Arians and Tom Brady get along as, as uh, all the activities pick up over the coming months, hopefully. And so it's a, it's a wait and see for me. Um, I don't understand it, but I'm kind of excited for it because it is something different. Um, It means the Patriots are likely going to be without a quarterback or starting Brian Hoyer at quarterback in week one, which I'm okay with as well. So, you know, there's a couple moving parts to it, but uh, we'll, it's mostly wait and see right now.
0: Yeah. Maybe I'm just conditioned, but I still fully expect the Patriots as of today to win the division. Maybe I'll come off of that uh, as it gets closer to the NFL season, but I was a little surprised Tampa Bay wasn't one that was really brought up as a potential suitor until we got closer to the final destination. If you will, Uh, it was, you know, it was Tennessee and then it was the 49ers and then it was the chargers or the Raiders. And it really turned out that Brady only really had honestly two suitors. Uh, The Patriots kind of said they put the ball in his court, which is to say we didn't really want him. That's an easy way to kind of not show him love, so to speak, and let him go uh, and go from there. But Tampa Bay and the Chargers were the only two teams to give him a legitimate offer. Um, I was a little surprised about Tampa as well. You mentioned that you don't understand it from the fit standpoint. I'll say this. Weapons is not going to be a problem. You mentioned those guys. You didn't mention Cameron Brait. He's a really good tight end, too. I'm sure they'll add a running back and some help to the offensive line. I mean, the the Bucks do have some weapons. My concern is the same thought that I had regardless of where Tom Brady went. And that's what I think Tom Brady's washed up. Uh, I I think that father time is undefeated. And I think that there's a really good possibility that you see that this year and even more full force because the Patriots did everything last year. to They told you exactly how they felt about their quarterback all season long. They weren't aggressive at the end of halves. They were running trick plays throughout courses of games when they didn't think they could score. Those are things you do more so when you think that your quarterback can't do it in a quote, normal structure. So I'm curious to see how that goes. Uh, I'm excited because this also means we get one more chance to see Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers face off uh, because Tampa Bay and green Bay are going to play each other this year down in Tampa. So that's at least exciting from that standpoint, Jason, real quick, your thoughts on Tommy B to Tampa B.
1: I was surprising. I didn't know it was the Tampa was going to jump in like that. And for me, as the rather elder statesman of the group here, I will just say I've seen way too many examples of guys who extend their career by another year or two. And it's just for the sake of playing on their terms and leaving on their terms. So, I mean, not that Tom Brady, you know, I I don't, I'd like to think new England, if he decided, Hey, I'm going to retire. Then if you're not interested in bringing me back, that they would have helped him do it gracefully, but it's why players do this. And everyone talks about the money and, how he deserves it and all this, this other kind of stuff. And I don't know. I mean, it, it, to me, it's, it's going to be weird to talk about. And I think, you know, it's going to change this, the conversation that we have at the bar 10 years from now about how great Tom Brady was when we tell our kids about Tom Brady and, and, you know, we talk about him when spending one year in Tampa, kind of like, I think about it in terms of like Unitas finishing in as a charger and, and
0: yeah, you actually watched that happen.
1: I, yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, I was my <laughs> young high schooler at that point. No, I don't, but it's, it's just watching some of those guys just playing a different uniform, you know, like farm in a Vikings uniform, for example,
0: you could have said jets.
1: Uh, yeah. yeah. I could have. That would have made a lot more sense, but that's, you know, it's fine. Listen, it's, Play until you can. I'm impressed that he's playing. You know, as a guy that's still older than Tom Brady, uh, I'm I'm impressed that he's still playing pro football. So for that sake, I'm rooting for him. Um, just not when they play the Packers, obviously.
0: I'm not rooting for him because I never really have. But that being said, I I do think that something you mentioned that brings up a valid point is that Tom Brady has earned the right to go out on his terms. Uh, if somebody's willing to pay him and wants him to start at quarterback, then God bless him. He's certainly earned that right, uh, one of the all-time greats to play the position. But as we said back in January, Jason, ding-dong, the witch is dead. That dynasty is dead and gone. Uh, They are not – the Patriots are not going to be there anymore, and it's no longer Bill Belichick and Tom Brady together. So that will be interesting to watch as the season gets closer. But we have taken a lot of time, and now we're going to move into – the reason we are here, and that is the Interior Defensive Line class. So, Tyler, you wrote about the Interior Defensive Line for the Cheesehead TV draft guide, even though before the show you said I wasn't so sure if that was the case, which is pretty funny. (laughs) I'll give you that one. But So, first question I have for you is, overall, what are your thoughts on this class as a whole? What's the depth look like? How many guys are in the top, you know, 50 picks? And then after that, are there some contributors that you can find in the later... Well, maybe not the later rounds, because typically, I mean, Kingsley Kiki is a guy that we're excited about, but he was a fifth round pick. And how much can you realistically expect from a fifth round defensive lineman? Probably not a whole hell of a lot. So, but at any rate, wh- what's the depth of this class look like? Is it a good class? Is it weaker? Is it one of the better ones in this draft class?
2: Um, I, I'm very meh on it. And that's the honest truth. Um, I think there's a really a couple of really nice players at the top of the class. And then there's a good number of role players, but then it dies off after that for me. Um, it's not very deep. I think last year's class was a little bit deeper um, in terms of where you might be able to get defensive line talent. Uh, I think this year, if you're not grabbing a guy uh, before the fourth or in the fourth, then you're probably, it's going to be kind of hurting. So um it's not the best group this year. It's not a bad group. Don't get me wrong there. It's not as bad as it's high dense because they are pretty bad this year, but uh, there's definitely a, a cutoff in talent and there's definitely a, a cliff of talent, if you will, where if you just go any further, it's just going to be kind of, kind of barren. So um, with that being said, you know, a guy like Derek Brown and uh, Javon Kinlaw and even a guy that I really like in Ross Blacklock, I think they really highlight the class. After that, there's maybe five or six role players um, that I'd be okay with taking in the second, third rounds, um, which is perfect because that's exactly what Green Bay needs right now. Green Bay does not need a guy to come in and be the guy on the defensive line. They need a guy to come in and just kind of do his job. And so that's one thing that this class can provide well. And so it kind of fits into exactly what Green Bay is looking for.
0: Well, that's positive. So let's start here then. So what round, this is how it works with this format, obviously. What round, if any, Tyler, then, are you looking for the Packers to spend a pick on a defensive lineman?
2: Honestly, I think that there are a number of guys in the first, second, and third rounds that would all fit. And so, you know, in terms of what Green Bay has tried to set them up, set themselves up to be, which is flexible, um, I think that that really plays into their plan. Um, there's a guy like Raquan Davis, uh, where I think that he slides in, um, he slides in at the beginning to the middle of the second round, or if you want to go as high as 30, I don't think that's that big of a reach depending on who else is on the board. Um, but he's more of a mid second round talent who Green Bay could probably get in the second round. And if they get him at the end of the second round, it's an absolute steal. And so there's a number of guys like that, that are really going to kind of fit into, um, what they're looking for in terms of value. Uh, They're not going to have to reach for one of the top guys um, in in the class, like a Derek Brown or Javon Kinlaw, because they'll they'll likely not be there at 30. But there will be a number of guys, and from 30 to whatever their third-round pick is, I can't do math very well, top of my head. 94. Yeah, so from 30 to 94, there's probably six to seven, eight guys that could all fit, fit the bill of what they're looking for.
0: Okay, Jason, where are you looking for the Packers to potentially start spending a pick on a defensive lineman?
1: Yeah. So for me, it's one through three, just like what Tyler said, because get an impact guy. Everyone is talking about wide receiver and offensive tackle and very needs based uh, things that the Packers need to do. But when you look at who wins deep in this league, it's because they're stout up front. And I know the offensive line is a part of that equation. But so rounds two, three, you know, get one of these impact guys. I think um, Tyler makes a good point there. I think Raquan Davis on the list, if you look at the list of Interior defensive lineman. He's probably about the bottom of and I'm I'm looking at SI's rankings here. They've got him ranked ninth overall, but he's about the bottom of where I think you'd want to pick up an interior defensive guy unless you're you're just trying to provide depth. Cause once you get to that point, you just don't you don't provide the boost that you need. And remember the Packers spent a third round pick on Montrevious Adams, and we still don't know what he's going to turn into. This is probably a make-or-break year for him. So, you you know, you've got to balance out where do you pick a guy, make him, you know, valid and, and more impactful to your team versus just, you know, okay, we can still get a decent guy in five or six. I just don't think that's the case as far as defensive linemen go. And, and one name I'll throw out there that I keep seeing in mocks is Jordan Elliott out of Missouri. And it just seems to me, and guys, jump in if you've seen anything different, but it just seems to me like I don't see his name any later than the third round. So it just seems like it's got to be in one, two, or three.
0: Yeah, I'm kind of there with you guys. Uh, to me, it's, yeah, pick. I mean, I know they'll pick one, and I'll get to that here in a minute. But if they don't pick one early, kind of like Tyler said, it's it's pretty meh, you know, as far as as far as far that goes. There's, there's three guys I think that you can pretty definitively pencil in in the first round, and Tyler mentioned them. Javon Kinlaw, Derek Brown, and Ross Blacklock. After that, you might get a team you know, like Green Bay, for example, to take a guy like Raquan Davis at the end of the first round and make it a fourth defensive lineman. Uh, but I, I do find it interesting for how the board might fall. Because, for example, say that Green Bay has an opportunity with – and I'm just throwing names and I don't know if this is realistic and honestly anything at this point, it's all speculation. But if Ross Blacklock and Kenneth Murray and Brandon Ayuk, just as a receiver's name, are there. You know, those are three positions and those are three players that a lot of people really like. I do wonder what direction Green Bay would go if that were the case. I would tend to think that they would take the defensive tackle just because they tend to have position values and positions they consider premier positions. Linebacker's not one, receiver's not really one, and defensive line is. Uh, But I look at the position, and guys Green Bay currently has, Kenny Clark is a star, Dean Lowry's a good player, Uh, he's probably not a great player, but he's a guy that you can play in your rotation on your defensive line. And after that, it's kind of just guys uh, for right now. Kingsley Kiki being an unknown uh, at this point. He showed some good stuff last year, but... I think it's pretty safe to say he's an unknown for somebody that didn't play a lot of snaps last year. Montrevious Adams, Jason you mentioned him, we've been talking about him since his rookie year. Uh, it's it's at this point who knows and Tyler Lancaster is a one-dimensional run defender. That is the most replaceable position on your roster. So if he's here, cool. If he's not, then you know, you're not losing a whole lot of sleep over that. But yeah, I'm right there with you guys in the, in those first, you know, 1 to 3 rounds. We mentioned the guys that we think could be available there. Tyler mentioned some guys. So Tyler, you mentioned some guys after the fact who's somebody that you think is undervalued at this point, somebody that you're seeing that is being picked a little later in some of these simulations that you think should go a little higher.
2: Well, I, it's funny that you mentioned that because a guy like Raekwon Davis, I've actually got him at four in my rankings. I I think that he's, I think that the hate on him is a little bit stronger than it should be because he didn't perform as well uh, this past year, uh, he has to work on some of his consistency issues, but he ha- he has all the tools. He plays with tenacity. He plays with great leverage when he's when he's attacking the offensive lineman. He can he has a pass rush. He can he's a tremendous run stopper. And I think that that's why I really like him as a pick for Green Bay um, because he he's a tremendous run stopper with the ability to rush the passer. He could be a tremendous one-two duo or one-two punch as a duo with Kenny Clark. Um, because they can both kind of do – they're both – I wouldn't call them the same player because uh, they're not, but they can both do the things that Patton is going to want them to do. And so I really like Rayquan Davis um, as a as a potential fit of draft value and scheme fit and what they would bring to the team. I, I really think that he's kind of a home run there in terms of they could probably get him in the second round. I don't know if they'll get him at the end of the second, but they can get him in the second round. Uh, another guy uh, is the defensive tackle out of Utah, uh, Leaky Fotu. Now, this is a guy who we talked. You just talked about Tyler Lancaster. So Tyler Lancaster uh, is a one, you know, one-dimensional run-stopping nose tackle. That is his job. So insert Leaky Fotu. Leaky Fotu is a master at just eating up blocks. He's, he's incredibly strong. Uh, he eats up double teams for for breakfast. He, you know. He also has the ability to collapse the pocket from the interior. Now, he's not going to get a ton of sacks, but he can bull rush those guards and those centers back and, and collapse from the interior. And so he's a guy I would really like in, like, the fourth round. He'd probably be the cutoff for me. He'd be the edge of that cliff that I was talking about because he, he'd be able to come in and he'd be able to do the same things that we're going to be pining for Damon, for Damon Harrison to come in and do, which is just stop the run, eat up bodies, and let Kenny Clark, Tadarius Smith, Preston, Smarth, Ra- Preston Smith, Rayshon Gary – let all these guys work. Um, I, I really like Leaky Foto as a, as a fit as well in like the fourth round uh, area of the draft.
0: Jason, is there anybody you're seeing that's undervalued? I know you mentioned somebody to me pre-show.
1: Um. Yeah. Well, I, I think if you're if you're thinking of Neville Gallimore, I like him on tape. Um. He's got a gr- great size, but I don't know if he's undervalued. I think he's going to be drafted high, so I don't know that he's he's under necessarily. He's just one that we haven't talked about here. Um, but again, he's, you know, a great size profile. He lists at 6'2, 304. Um, you know, great measurables there and and he's he's a big guy and he plays angry. So, you know, definitely a, the type of guy you want on your roster. Um, you know I like his film my issues with him are intangible and have no no foundation or basis and, and they're more off-field stuff and and there's nothing founded to say that that's actually going to translate so this is one area too where I I've probably haven't done as much looking into as I have corner wide receiver offensive tackle I mean even quarterback uh, because it just you know and, and as I look at these and as I go through and I start watching some of these guys it occurs to me that You know, we've been surprised by what the Packers have done early in the draft and in even recent years past. It could could end up happening again this year, and it could be this very position we're talking about today. So definitely some more work to be done.
0: Yeah, you guys have mentioned all the people, so I don't really need to go through and just rehash some of the stuff that you guys have been saying. But, Jason, that point you bring up is interesting because this is – I think defensive line is a position that the – casual fan is going to be surprised. I think the majority of your casual fans think that the Packers are going to pick a receiver or a linebacker. And I really won't be surprised if it's a defensive lineman. Um, The Packers value certain positions, not just that, but at the trade deadline, this is the part that kind of gets lost. They said the Packers were sniffing around for help at wide receiver and defensive tackle. So that meant that they thought they needed help on the defensive line nothing has changed in that defensive line room since that day. So I tend to wonder how that's going to work, what they're going to do at that position. You know, and I I do think that there's some ability for some versatility because here's the reality guys, the Packers want to play two defensive linemen essentially out of necessity, stop the run, get you into third and well, they don't even really care necessarily if they stop the run, but they want to, to get you to third and nine or so and get, Z'Darrius Smith, Preston Smith, Rashawn Gary, all on the field at the same time. That's what they want to do. As many pass rushers and guys to cover the pass as possible. You may not like it, uh, but that's just how they're going to want to play defense. And it does make sense. Now, could they have done some things different against San Francisco in the NFC Championship game? Bet your ass. But that's just how they want to play. In a perfect world, they want to get their pass rushers on the field. Their hope eventually is that those are their three best players, the Smith brothers and Rashawn Gary. So I'm interested to see even if guys like Z or Rashawn Gary played a little inside when he was at Michigan, if that's something that they'll do. And if that plays into any of their thinking at all too, but if there's a defensive lineman there that they have a first round grade on, I won't be surprised at all. If we're sitting here listening to people scream and moan that they passed up one of the linebackers or one of the receivers for another defensive lineman. And Jason, you mentioned your point. Tyler, you kind of brought to it as well. I'm a very firm believer in this, and this goes for offense and defense. Build the front. The le- the rest will fall in place around it, and I really believe that. I think that those are, you look at the San Francisco 49ers, you look at the Kansas City Chiefs even, and it isn't talked about a whole lot, but those were two teams that were strong up front on both sides of the ball. And that was a big reason Kansas City was able to win is they could slow down. Eventually, <laughs> they were able to slow down uh San Francisco's pass rush and the Packers well we'll never really know if they were able to or not because that game wasn't ever necessarily all that close but moving forward guys in the first five rounds the draft is four rounds long typically we give a little bit of extra credit to the Packers and say it's five rounds because guys like Aaron Jones and players of that ilk have existed and they've hit on some players like that. So with that in mind that is the real draft what is the likelihood Tyler that the Packers pick a defensive tackle in the first five rounds,
2: I would say like ninety five percent, you know. But at the same time, we were talking about how this class is just kind of male overall, you know. If they miss out on this, if there's a run of defensive tackles, and Gudikons is unable to to get one of the guys that he actually likes, um, you know, maybe they do punt the position entirely because once that once that cliff hits. There's just not a lot there. Right. And so maybe we're maybe we see a guy in the seventh round if they miss out on the run. But you know, I'm looking at the RASs for these defensive tackles right now, defensive linemen, I should say. Um, you know, one thing to think about is with the lack of pro days that will be happening, everybody's can get less looks at some of these players and they're not gonna get as much data as you know, we're not gonna get as much data, they're not gonna get as much data. And so maybe we see them stray a little bit more from their typical, what we think is their typical patterns of behavior in the draft, just because we're have less information. Um, you know, like for instance, the, the top two guys I have in RAS, I have is like seventh round picks, sixth round picks. I, I don't think that they're anything special, but they tested out as super athletes. And that's Carlos and Khalil Davis out of Nebraska. Um, the third guy is the one that's interesting to me. And that's Justin matabuke from Texas A&M uh, we had, there's a Texas A&M a uh, little bit of a pipeline on the Packers right now uh, with, with Kingsley Kiki. And so then, you know, the Packers have shown that they like the athletes. He's one of three defensive linemen that tested with a over nine RA, RAS and he's probably a second or third round pick. So I have to imagine he'd be rather high on their board considering what their past trends have been. Um He's a guy who's not going to play nose tackle, though, and I think that that's ultimately what Packers are looking for is a guy that they can have to eat up blocks with with Kenny Clark, not just a guy who's gonna get one on one battles but can take up ten, can take the double teams from Kenny Clark, excuse me, so we'll see I don't know if there's a lot of those guys in the second or third round
0: Tyler before we move uh to Jason's answer, quite frankly, I don't really care what Jason has to say most of the time anyways, so uh and anyway. One name that's getting some buzz and some speculation that maybe he moves inside in a three, four is AJ Aspinenza from Iowa. And I was wondering if you had done any study on him at all, if that's a position that you think he could switch to, because it's not, it's not like switching a defensive tackle or a four, three defensive end to a stand-up outside linebacker. It's not as dramatic. I don't think of a position change. I'm not necessarily advocating for it, but I do know he was somebody who was highly thought of coming into this year's draft. And he's kind of slipping down the board some for various reasons. Uh, but is that somebody that you think the Packers do love their Iowa Hawkeyes, or at least they have in the past. Mm. Is that somebody that you think could make that transition?
2: So I'll be quite honest. I have not watched the edges yet, uh, but I do know that Ross Uglum did watch Espinosa. Um, so he's a guy, Espineza is a guy, like you said, that kind of went into the last uh, 2019 college football season with some high hopes for him uh he didn't necessarily underperform but he didn't overperform either i think he kind of did what he was supposed to do and that sounds weird but it's coming off as a negative for him right now um i'm not familiar with his testing numbers i'd have to look them up but you, you know it's it's all about uh when you when you start when you start talking about moving guys inside from the outside positions of the edge position it's all about the length and their their body build really to whether or not they can support handling the stronger guards and and centers as opposed to the tackles. So uh, that's what I'd be looking for in, in Espineza. Um, I'd have to kind of turn the tape on to to see that, but uh, it's certainly a question you could post to Ross and maybe we could do so after the podcast on Twitter.
0: Yeah, that's a interesting name, I think, if nothing else, just because he had the pedigree. He was top five in some mocks coming into the college football season, which probably tells you how silly those things are to do at the beginning of college football season. But uh, if Mm -hmm. you use them as a tool, it's kind of a cool thing. But that I was just kind of curious there. So Jason, what's your likelihood that you think the Packers take a defensive tackle in the first five rounds here?
1: It's got to be at least 80%. I think they've surprised, I've said, you know, they surprised us before, but there's the cupboard is really bare up front right now, unless you're unless you're including the times that Zadarius Smith lines up on the inside, or if you think that they're going to use Rashawn Gary, uh, Ramshaw in more of that role, which I am hoping is not the answer. So it, I think it's got to be eighty percent, and and for the reasons Tyler mentioned, if you want to get somebody who's going to be able to play quality snaps for you, then you've got to in, in any position really. There's very few where you can you can Count on something beyond the fourth round, really at the bottom of it, then you've got to make a pick early. So it's, I'm going to put it at at least 80%. Well,
0: I'll say this Ted Thompson, Ted Thompson took a defensive lineman in either all or all but one of his drafts. I do know that. Brian Gudekunz has taken one in 50% of his drafts, now a much smaller sample size, but he says it all the time. I was raised by Ron Wolf and Ted Thompson. So they believe in building up front as well. In the first five rounds, Because of what Tyler said, I'm putting it lower than I originally thought just because, yeah, if you miss out on guys in the first three rounds, there's no sense picking a guy who can't play in the fourth round just because he plays a position that you theoretically need. Like picking a fourth-round defensive lineman because you need one, but he's like a sixth-round talent that's bad drafting. So I would hope, and I know that at least so far, I don't think Gutekunst has done that where we've sat there and gone, man, they only really picked one of those because there was a run. And they wanted one of the guys, and they had to make sure that they got one. I don't think that they've had anything like that. Granted, small sample and a different year because of the things Tyler mentioned no pro days, less interviews. Uh, I mean, they're able to do phone interviews and conference calls and stuff like that, but it's just, it's different. You know, and we live in an uncertain time at this exact moment. So I'll be interested to see how that goes, but I'm going to put it at 85% because I do think that. That scenario I mentioned earlier where they have the D lineman, the linebacker and the receiver. I do think the Packers would pick the D lineman and everybody's going to be pissed and I'm going to love it uh, because frankly, I've, I've kind of grown into this thing now where the people who do nothing but complain on social media used to annoy me. Now I find them entertaining because I saw somebody yesterday say something along the lines of Brian Gutekunst is turning into Ted Thompson before our eyes because the Packers haven't signed anybody since Rick Wagner and Christian Kirksey, which is like, guys, last year they signed four guys in the second day of free agency to a boatload of money. Like they can't do that every year, but I'm starting to believe that that group of people will only be happy if that's the case every year. And if every free agent class worked out the way last year's class did. So I'm looking forward to it. I also think a lot of people get their heart set on one person, one player, And when there's 256 picks and you're hoping for one guy, yeah, you're going (laughs) to, you're probably, it's probably not going to work in your favor. Uh, That's just reality. So uh, with that in mind, that's going to do it. We're out of time at this point. So thank you guys for joining us today. Be sure to check out our channel on YouTube. It's pulse of the pack. It's got our nice new logo that you can see on Jason's little shirt right there. And you can follow us on Twitter at Packer Pulse. you can follow Tyler. He is in the cheesehead TV draft guide for the interior defensive lineman, the pack a day podcast and fantasy football stuff. If you're one of those people, which I play fantasy football, but I hate it. So I get, sorry, Tyler, but I do. It's okay. Um, <laughs> um, and then the pack to the future stuff, Tyler, are you going to do the Madden stuff again this upcoming fall? Yeah, you
2: know, I would love to. Uh, the interest seemed to wane out as the uh, as the weeks passed. So, really? if there's an interest in doing it, yeah, no, I, I just wasn't getting a ton of uh, a ton of interest and feedback. So, I kind of put it on the wayside. You know, I tabled it. But I would love to do it again if there if there's a you know a desire for that type of content. And so, um, you know, I'm more than willing to do it. But we'll see how everybody feels about that type of content so
0: i loved it so i can't speak for everybody else but i would yeah it was a lot of fun and i figured that would be something that would pick up more as Mm -hmm. the team continued to win but okay um Mm -hmm. interesting but that's something okay so if you're watching this show call tyler tell him you want to play against him and madden next year on the pack to the future youtube channel that'll be fun you can follow jason he's at jason Perone. Uh, And he will be here with me every single week until the regular season begins. Thank you guys for listening. We are, well, actually one month from today is the draft. So you guys are likely viewing this on March 23rd. The draft is on April 23rd. So that's exciting. Stay safe, stay inside, wash your hands, wash your butt, and go Pack Go. of the PAX Podcast.